Welcome to At the Table with Darlene. Today I want to talk to you about family, the great mission field. All right? Family, the great mission field. And uh, if you have a Bible, you can turn to Genesis chapter number 6. That's where we're going to camp out for the majority of our time together this morning. But I, want, I do want to take, and I'm going to, to, to build a little foundation before we get to Genesis uh, chapter number 6 and before we uh, begin to share there, okay? Let me pray this morning over the Word of God. Heavenly Father... I love you and I thank you for your goodness and your mercy. I thank you for this time that we have had already. God, the opportunity to be in your house. God, I'm thankful for the spirit of God that I have felt the minute that I drove onto the property, Lord. Uh, Lord, that is, a, that is a good sign that your spirit is welcome here into the hearts and lives of people when people drive onto the property and they begin to feel the anointing in the presence of God. I thank you for every heart that is here today. Your word is absolutely anointed, so we don't have to ask that you anoint it and that you cover it. God, we are the vessels that are weak. And so, Heavenly Father, for myself, I pray that you would anoint my mind and my mouth and let me speak what you would have me to say today. I pray for those that are listening that you would prepare their hearts. God, I pray that this good seed be planted in their hearts and that they would be a better Christian tomorrow than what they was today because of the truth of your word and the guidance of your spirit. I thank you for your blessings. I thank you for your mercy. Be with us. Keep our attention. And we're going to give you the praise. And everybody said amen. amen. Everybody give yourself a high five. There you go. Try it again. Give yourself a high five. Good job. Okay. Um, the family, I have always believed, is the pipeline from which the gospel is carried from generation to generation. Okay. Let me say that again. The family is the pipeline which the gospel is carried from generation to generation. The Bible tells us that he gives us pastors, teachers, preachers, and evangelists for the equipping of the church, to build the church, uh, to edify the church, to make us stronger so that we can go out and preach the gospel. But the first ministry, and don't get me wrong, I love the Great Commission. I love going out and preaching the gospel. I love going out and witnessing. I love bringing people to the house of God. I love seeing them come to know Christ as Lord and Savior. I sit in my office a few weeks ago, been marriage counseling with a couple, uh, went through about, uh, about four or five sessions, and he finally looked at me, and he said, I finally come to a, re to a revelation. Um, okay, what's that? He said, marriage counseling is more about me getting right with God so that I will be right with my wife. You've got it. Exactly. That's what it is. When you are right this way, you're going to be right this way. And in that moment, he looked at me, and he said, I need to ask Jesus into my heart. And we was able to pray with him. We prayed through right there. He received Jesus at his Lord and Savior, and I give God all the praise and glory. It has nothing to do with me and everything to do with him, all right? And so uh, I love that God equips us, and I love that he equips the body of Christ, but God uses the family, listen, to enrich the body of Christ. He uses the family to make the body of Christ better and stronger. To, 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 he, he, he brings people into the body of Christ so that more people can bring more people can bring more people, all right? There are people that have come to know Christ, and there are people that are walking closer to God because of your presence in the house of God because you are growing spiritually within yourself. Can you say amen? Amen. amen. All right. So 
In Joshua chapter 24, Joshua begins to speak. He's coming to the end of his leadership time, and he begins to give a final declaration. They have the, the children of Israel, they've come into the promised land, they've conquered the land, and, and so he gives this final declaration, and he says this, uh, but for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. All right, how many's heard that before? Maybe you got it written on a, on a piece of wood in your house or something. We have a, a round placard thing that my wife keeps on a table, and it says, that scripture. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Joshua gives a couple of things in this statement. When you read the word of God, you're not going to get a blue ribbon for reading it fast. Can you say amen? Amen. God's going to bless you more when you slow down and you take the time to see what he's trying to say to you. You may be stuck on the same verse all week long, but that's okay because God's trying to reveal something to you. Don't get mad if you didn't get through that chapter. Can you say amen? All right, so here we go. Joshua, a couple of things that we learned from this verse. He said, as for me, I will serve the Lord. It's a heart thing with me. It's a relationship thing with me. It's me and God. That's what it is. So as for me, I'm going to serve the Lord. I don't care what you do. I don't care what they do. I don't care what this group does. I don't care what that clan does. I don't care what anybody else does. As for me, I will serve the Lord. Will you look at your neighbor and say, as for me? All right. The second thing we learn about this is he says that as for my house, we will serve the Lord. He says, my house will be a kingdom culture. My home will be a kingdom culture. What is a kingdom culture? Well, remember in the word when it says, uh, your kingdom come, your will be done. What that is, is that saying, God, whatever you want in my life, that's what I want in my life. Whatever you want in my home, that's what I want in my home. If you say yes, then it's going to be a yes for me. And if you say no, it's going to be No, for me, all right? That's what it is. It's plain and simple. It's not hard. It's pretty much what we learned in elementary school. Yes is yes, no is no, all right? And so Joshua makes this statement. He said, my household is going to be a kingdom household. We're going to be a kingdom culture. We're going to follow the things of God. Husbands, can I tell you something? You set the belief standard for your home. Now, please hear my heart here, okay? Hear me. I absolutely love Single moms, if you're a single mom in the building, I love you. Kudos to you. Thank you for having your family in the house of the Lord. If you're in the house of the Lord and your husband is not with you today, congratulations. I love you and I'm praying for you. And God absolutely, as as Peter writes and Peter speaks to us, God will use your character and your good behavior to win your husband, okay? So please, don't, don't shut me down here. But if you're in the house, man... Dads, grandfathers, uncles, whoever you are, I don't care. Young men who want children one day, but you don't have children right now and wait till the proper time. It doesn't make you a man if you have children before you're ready. Trust me, it just makes it hard. Amen? All right. So listen to me. A husband sets the belief standard for the home. He does. Listen to Ephesians chapter 5, verse 23, okay? Uh, This says this about husbands. It never says this about wives anywhere in the scripture. For the husband is the head of the wife. Don't get turned off by that. Just listen and wait, okay? As Christ is the head of the church, his body of which he is the savior, all right? So you read that scripture, and a lot of women, when we go through and I begin to do marriage counseling, and they're not sure about that scripture, well, you really need to go down to Ephesians 6 so you can begin to tie these two together. Listen to what it says. Father, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the uh, discipline and instruction of the Lord. The Bible never says, Mom, instruct the children in the things of God. Now, that doesn't mean you don't do that. 
but it gives very clear instructions. Dad, you're supposed to be teaching them about the things of God. That's your calling. What am I supposed to be doing in my life? What's my purpose? I'm supposed to be providing. That's great that you bring in a paycheck. I love that you bring in a paycheck. I love that you buy them toys. I love that you have good Christmas gifts for them. I love that you take them to Disney. I love that you take them to Six Flags. I love that you take them on special nights and go out to movies and have fun. I love all of that. But you know what they need? The provision they need, they need the word of God. They need the strength of God. They need the power of God. And dad, they need to see it in you. Okay. So stick with me. Don't, don't tune me out yet. Okay. Um, your family will follow your lead husband, dad. Okay. If you're half-hearted about the things of God, guess what? Your family's going to be half-hearted about the things of God. Can I get an amen? amen. If you're, if, if, if you're passive about the things of God, well, I, you know, I'll read it when I need to. If you're passive about the things of God, guess what? Your family's going to be passive about the things of God. And if you don't know what God says about certain situations, when those situations come up, you're going to be crippled and behind the eight ball, if you will, trying to figure out what am I supposed to do, all right? Uh, we are called to go after the things of God, not just husbands, not just dads, moms and dads, men and women. We are all called to go after the things of God, all right? So a godly home will require work, amen? amen. A godly home will require work. It requires teaching. It requires training. It requires that you walk with them through situations and through circumstances, uh, through them breaking up with uh, individuals that aren't necessarily good for their life. And everyone said, amen. We'll leave that there. Okay. Uh, you, 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 I, I have four sons. I'm going to tell you about my four sons in a minute. Okay. We've walked through lots of those situations. Okay. You have to walk with them through moments. You have to walk with them through circumstances. My son was in a car wreck the other day. His insurance is already high, period. We don't know why. We don't understand why. But nonetheless, his insurance is high. And he was frustrated. I pulled up to the wreck. He called me. I pulled up to the wreck. First thing I did, I didn't get out. I didn't yell at him. I didn't scream at him. I didn't get upset. I didn't get in his face. You know what I did? Walked up to him. I put my arms around him and I said, hey, buddy, how you doing? Are you okay? Is everything all right? She's a little rude, Dad. Okay, I understand that. She just got hit in the back end. I understand she's a little rude. Well, Dad, she, no, 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 we're not going to talk bad about her, okay? I realize she may have slammed on her brakes, but it's okay. We're going to make it through this. A godly home means you have to walk with them concerning the character of Christ. Amen? All right. Uh, you have to love them regardless of if they're lovable or not. <laughs> Can I tell you 17 is worse than the terrible twos? You don't believe me? Come see me after church, and I will walk you through that, okay? Uh, you have to forgive. You have to forgive them. Your kids are going to make mistakes, amen? Your spouse is going to make mistakes, amen? You have to forgive them. You have to show them grace. You have to be patient. You have to be an encouragement to them. Now, some of you would look at this and say, wait, wait, wait. This sounds like you want me to be Jesus. Exactly. Exactly. All right, so in, in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse number 1, here's what Paul writes. Paul says, be imitators of me as I am of Christ. 
He says, look, I'm doing the things of Christ. You should be doing the things of Christ too. And if you're going to lead your family, you're going to have to do the things of Christ. You're going to have to walk in the character of Christ. So today we're talking about superheroes and Hebrews chapter number 11. I promise we're going to get to Genesis 6. Just hang with me, okay? I'm building a foundation, all right? Right now we've got the pavement poured. Now we're putting the walls up and then we're going to finish this, okay? Uh, Hebrews chapter number 11 talks about the heroes of faith. It's the hall of faith is what it's called. And, 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 and Paul, I I believe Paul wrote Hebrews. The Bible doesn't say that directly, but it's just my thought concerning how I've, how I've read it, how I've studied it, and that's a different story for a different time. So the writer, if you will, the writer of Hebrews begins to talk about all of these men and women of faith and the great things that they did. It talks about Abraham. Uh, it, 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 it talks about Ruth, okay, a Moabite woman. It talks about all of these different ones, and it also speaks about Noah. We heard about David, but now I'm going to tell you about Noah, okay? By faith, uh, Hebrews 11, verse 7, by faith, Noah being warned by God concerning events as yet unseen in reverent fear, constructed an ark for the saving of his household. Everyone say that with me. The saving of his household. Say it again. The saving of his household. I'm going to stop right there with that. In Matthew chapter 7, Jesus begins to speak, and he tells us this, that everybody will build. There's two kind of builders in the world. There's the wise builder and there's a foolish builder. You are one or the other. You're either wise or you're foolish, okay? That's what the Bible says. Don't get mad at me. Get mad at Jesus. Take it up with him, all right? Call his human resource department. Send him the email and he'll deal with it. But this is what his word says. The wise and the foolish builder, they both had a storm that they dealt with. They dealt with the same situation. Why? Because it rains on the just and the unjust. That flat tire is not attack of the enemy because a sinner gets a flat tire as well. It's just a frustrating thing that happens in our life. Amen? So it rains on both of us. Both men were building something. Both men went through a storm. Both men had difficulty. Both men had to fight the same problem in the same circumstance. The difference is, is one built on the rock and one built on the sand. You're going to be in your life depending on what you're building, how you're building, and where you're building. So this morning in Genesis 6, I want to take you to how to build your family. Look at your neighbor and say, how to build your family. All right, so here we go. Ark builders. We're going to talk about ark builders, okay? Genesis chapter 6, verse number 8 is where we get our first point. It says, now, the point is this, how you live matters. How you live matters. How you live matters. Genesis 6 and 8, Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord. How Noah lived, it mattered to God. Okay? How you live your life, it matters to God. If God's going to find favor in you, if God's going to find uh, uh, good things in you, it's a matter of how you live your life here, how you're walking out your character, how you're walking out your Christ experience in the day-to-day life. Okay, uh, He followed the things of God that were passed down to him from his father and his grandfather. All right, uh, He was seen as righteous in God's eyes. God came to Noah and began to speak to him. Now, God, here's, here's what God told Noah. He did not tell him to go and preach to the community. 
Nowhere in this story in in Genesis 6 are you going to find that God said, go into the town and preach to them and tell them to turn their hearts to me and tell them that you're going to build an ark and tell them that I'm going to bring them into the ark. That's not what he said. He said, Noah, you build an ark. They're going to think you're foolish. They're going to think you're crazy, but you build an ark for you and your family because, because I have found favor in you. I haven't found favor in anyone else. I haven't found favor in the, in the rest of the community. I haven't found favor in any other family. I have only found favor and righteousness in you. You chose to follow me. Everyone else chose to turn their back on me. Can you imagine living being the only Christ follower? Can you imagine living being the only follower that truly worships God and doesn't have any other idols in your life? That's what Noah was on the whole face of the earth. He was the only one. I'm not saying that they didn't know who God was. There's lots of people who know who God is, but can I tell you something? How you live your life matters. How you live, it matters to God. You're praying prayers, asking God to do something in your life. But can I tell you something? Sometimes the way that we live ties God's hands from him being able to do something in our life. He says, look, I can't bless you until you get this out of your life because my spirit will not strive in that place. My my spirit can dominate that place, absolutely, but I'm a God of of grace and mercy. I'm a perfect gentleman. I'm not going to come in and just wipe something out and take something out. You're going to have to surrender it. And when you surrender it, then my hands are untied and then I can move in your situation. But until you find favor in the eyes of the Lord in your own life. A lot of people think if they come to Jesus and they ask him to forgive them of their sins, that that's it. That's all I have to do. And it's it's perfect the rest of my days. No, you have to walk towards Christ. We get up from the altar and we say, okay, God, you come with me. And we try to drag him back into every hole that we have just crawling out of. And we try to take him back into every place that God does not want us to be. And when God gets to those places, he says, hey, don't go back there. Don't start talking like that again. Don't start doing that again. Come on, I broke those chains. Don't go back to that. Oh, God, I just, this is just what's normal. This is just me. You're just going to have to deal with it. And God says, no, 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 no. I made you a new creation. You are now me. You are no longer you. Therefore, how you live matters. It matters to your family. Amen? Your kids are watching. You get embarrassed when your kids say something out of nowhere. Where did that come from? Oh, I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. Kids speak what they hear. And the first question I always asked myself was, did they hear me say that? Did they see me do that? Did they see me watching that? Did they hear me listening to that? How you live matters. Matters to God. It matters to your family. Because guess what? Whether you like it or not, they're watching you. I'm 45 years old. I have four sons. I'll show you that in just a few minutes. Two of them are married. And guess what? They're watching me. Oh, but they're out of the house. That don't mean nothing. They're watching me because I'm dad and I will always be dad. And they will always watch me and they will always call me for advice. They do. It matters to your family how you live. It matters to those that you witness to. It matters. Uh, I, I, I I love my wife's family. And there are things that we just will not allow in our life that some people in the church world today say, well, you know, it's okay. It's okay to talk like that. It's okay to act like that. But we choose not to. Why? Because her brother does those things. And if he sees us doing those things, 
then in his mind, well, I really don't have to make any change. I'm doing the same thing they're doing. All I have to do is say, Jesus, I need you, and, and, and talk about God a little bit, and I'm just like them. That's not it. A complete change has to take place in a person's life. Amen? I hope you're tracking with me this morning. A complete change. Child of God, listen to me. And I know this is hard preaching, but please listen to me and hear me. You have to stand up and say, God, I'm submitted to you. How you live matters. The next point is this, okay? Um, It's found in, in Genesis 6 and 14. It says, make yourself an ark of gopher wood. Make room in the ark and cover the inside and the outside with pitch. Here's the point. You have to use the same material inside and outside of your life. You have to use the same material inside your home as you do outside of your home. How many likes phony people? That's what I thought. That's what I thought. You see, your family needs that stability. They need that stability, all right? Your family, they don't need to wonder who they're getting, who's showing up tonight, who's walking in the door after work tonight. Is it going to be mad dad or is it going to be glad dad? Is it going to be happy dad or is it going to be frustrated dad? Who's going to show up? Is it going to be dad that's going to get down on the ground and play with us? Who's showing up tonight? Is it, is it nagging mom or, or, or is it cool fun mom? Who is it tonight that's coming in the door? I know I'm stepping on some toes, but trust me, God hit me with this before he hits you with it, Okay. I love the scripture that was spoken from James a while ago, all right? James 1, 19, 18, 19, right? That's where we went. My favorite is James 1 and 20. God gave me this verse years ago because I, I had an anger issue, and I would get frustrated, and, and, and I, I, I was the same, but I wasn't the same. Let's just be real. I wasn't the same. I thought I was the same, but I wasn't the same, and I would be nice. I would give my best to everybody. How are you? So good to see you. I'm so glad that you're here. And I'd go through my day. Hey, good to see you. I'm so glad to have you. And then I would get home and I would get frustrated. I would get mad. And my wife and my kids would get the second best and not the first best of me. Shame on me. Shame on me. And God laid this scripture into my heart one day. Men, this scripture is for you. Well, if you deal with anger, this scripture is for you. James 1 and 20. It's one of my life verses right here. It's not in my notes, I'm sorry, but James 1 and 20. It says, the wrath of man does not produce the righteousness of Christ. And God said, we're going to tweak that a little bit, John. We're going we're to suit it for you. And every time I would get frustrated, I would begin to quote, the wrath of John does not produce right behavior in my wife and my children and in our home. So much so that my kids, when I would get frustrated, would look at me and say, Dad, James 1 and 20, come here. Let me punch you in the throat. (laughs) I'd get mad. And then one day my son come home from school and he said, Dad, I made you something. And he was proud. And he was in art class and it was a glass etching. And it said, for the wrath of John does not produce the righteousness of Christ, James 1 and 20. It sits in my office today. And every day before I leave the office, in spite of whatever counseling, in spite of whatever things I have, whatever phone calls, I look at it to remind myself that when I walk in the door, they need stability. I want the same inside as what's outside. You need to build the same inside as what is on the outside, all right? Dads, you can do better. Moms, you can do better. I understand you had a bad day. 
But you know what? Leave it at, if you have to, put a punching bag in the garage and go in there and punch the stew out of it before you walk in the house, okay? Do whatever you got to do. On your drive home, instead of listening to talk radio and political things, why don't you turn worship music up as loud as you can and just rock out to it? I mean, just jam. I don't care what it is. Modern worship, Southern gospel, I don't care what it is. Me and my wife, we do throwback rides every once in a while. We'll go back to some old Southern gospel stuff and the Gaither vocal band and all kinds of great stuff. And we just sing and we worship and we give God praise. And it's great now that the kids are older and they don't ride with us anymore. Come on. The third point is this. God will give you a plan. God will give you a plan. Genesis 6, 15 through 18 And and I'm not going to read it all, but I'm just going to give you a paraphrase here. He says, I'm going, basically, God said, I'm going to flood the earth, and I'm going to destroy all living creation. That's what he told him. God made a covenant with Adam, and then he began to do the work of God. God wants to make a covenant with you. God says, look, I have a plan to raise your family. I have a plan to raise your home, all right? Which means you need to listen, you need to ask, you need to wait to hear from God on what God wants for their life. You need to listen, okay? You need to listen to God. You need to ask God, and you need to wait to hear from God on how their life needs to go. Put that picture up of my kids and my family, if you will, please. This is my family. I love my family. We have four boys. Now, I know what you're thinking. Your poor wife. No, 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 no. (laughs) My poor boys, okay? My poor boys. She is the queen of our household, all right? Can I tell you something? If they was to walk in right now with all of you people here, the first person they would go to is mom. First thing they would do is kiss their mom and say, hi, mom, how are you? I love you. That's the first thing they would do. They pass by dad because dad is just chum bait. That's all he is, okay? (laughs) But mom is something special. They go to mom. So she's the queen of our castle. She's the queen of our home. And uh, I love that about her. She doesn't speak much, but she does have an opinion. And when she speaks, we all shut our mouth and we listen because she has something very important to say. Uh, when my, my oldest son is here on the uh, on left, uh, that's Jaron, all right? His bride is right next to him. They've been married almost one year, all right? Um, the young man on the far right, that's my second son, AJ, and that's his wife, Bailey. They've been married two years, okay? Um, Toby is here on the right-hand side. Toby's just country boy. That's all there is to it. We took these pictures. He said, Mom, do I really have to wear these sweatpants? Can't I just wear a pair of jeans and a pair of boots? Would that be okay, Mom? No, bud, we all have to match, same color. Well, my jeans will match that color. No, son, you can't wear jeans, all right? He's just, he's just country. That's what he is, okay? Uh, and I love it. He is, he is country through and through. Over here on the far left is my baby. They say that I doter on him. They say that I treat him more fairly than I do all the others. That's not a lie, but I love my baby Liam. I really do, all right? He is just such a sweetheart. He's got a sweetheart. And then I have my two daughters, my two daughters. Now, when Jaron was a baby, give, give me some leisure here, okay? When Jaron was a baby, um, when he was born, I picked him up in the hospital, and I, and I took him in my arms, and God, in that moment, laid a mandate in my heart, a man, M-A-N, mandate, okay? And God said, John, if you will raise them to be men of God, if you'll seek me on how they need to be raised and do those things that I tell you that they need, then, then I, will, I will bless you. And then he gave me a second point to that. He said, if you, the same thing that you pray for your sons, if you'll pray that for your daughters, even though you have no idea who they are, he said, I will bless them with the same things. If you are not praying over your future in-laws, you need to be. 
You're not behind, you're not behind the eight ball. You need to be praying over them now. How do I pray for them? Well, when my son was struggling in school, and I'd say, God, he's struggling in school. He needs some help right now. The same prayer that I would pray for my son, I would pray for my daughter, even though I had no idea. And God, she's in school too. And God, she might be struggling right now. And so I pray that you help her. God, I'm thankful for the home that you have my son in. I'm thankful that he lives in a godly home. And God, I pray that, that you protect my daughter, Lord, because I don't know what kind of home she's in. I don't know if she's in a godly home. I don't know if her parents are together or if they're separated. But God, I know that you can protect them. And I know that you can send someone to tell her about your love. I know that you can send someone to witness to her because, God, you have prepared her for my son. And so begin to do the work in her life now, Heavenly Father, so that when they are equally yoked and when that time comes, they're going to be able to walk in the power of your spirit and not have to deal with all the junk of the devil. And so God began to lay on my heart a mandate. And part of that mandate that, that Lou mentioned and, and the podcast that I was able to share with Darlene was that God challenged us to raise gentlemen, not jerks. Raise a gentleman, not jerks. Uh, there's a second part to that. Raise ladies, not losers. Okay. And so if you want to take any of that, absolutely take it. You can have it. I'll even give you some notes on it and you can go after it. Okay. But I begin to, it was, it, it impacted our family so much that my kids would be in school and they would start a new grade and I'd walk to the teacher and I would say, Hey, if you ever have any problem with my son, you don't have to call me. You don't have to send me an email. Oh no, but that's what we know. Just listen to me, please. You don't have to call me. You don't have to send me an email. You simply just look at him and say, Hey, are you being a gentleman or a jerk? And they were like, uh, can I tell you something? I got more emails from teachers saying, I don't know what you do, but that statement stopped him from doing whatever he was doing. He sat down in his chair and he was the best kid I had all week long. If you go after them with the things of God, okay? Now, stick with me. Proverbs 22 and 6 says, train up a child in the way that he should go. A lot of times we read that verse and we think, well, yeah, you know, raise them up in the house of God. Yes, absolutely, I agree. But also, what's the way that God wants them to go? I mean, we try to put them in sports and we try to put them in this group and we try to put them in that group. But is that the way God wants them to go? Is that what God wants them to do? So here's the deal. Uh, put that picture of Liam, my family back up, please. Liam, my baby here on the end, okay? Um, years ago, he come to me. He said, Dad, I want to be a paleontologist. I want to dig up dinosaurs. Okay. And, and, and this happened with all of them. This is just who I am. I took this seriously. Whenever my kid, when your kid comes to you and says, this is what I want to be, and they may be four or five years old, but don't discard that because that very well could be God speaking truth through their life. So instead, why don't you begin to go to Google and why don't you begin to go to the library and why don't you begin to study what that job consists of? how much schooling it takes, how much it's going to cost, and why don't you begin to pray for those things? God, if this is what you have for... And so I began to pray. God, if you want my son to be a paleontologist, I want him to be a Christian paleontologist. I want him to begin to share the reason that they find these things, but how it works into creation so he can share the gospel of Jesus Christ and how dinosaurs are dug up and how all these things. And God, I pray that you provide the money for school because it costs a lot of money to be a paleontologist, Heavenly Father, and it doesn't pay off right away. And so God, he's going to need a flow of income to come into his life. And I begin to pray over these things. Six months later, he come to me and said, Dad, I don't want to be a paleontologist anymore. Okay, that's fine. And I have studied more things on what my sons want to be. Well, isn't that a waste of time? No. Because can I tell you now, we've landed on, to, on a, with Liam, we have landed on a dental hygienist. 
and I know how much schooling. I'm actually taking him to go talk to a dental hygienist uh, here in a couple of weeks. He's going to sit down with her. He's going to talk to her. He's going to ask her questions. He's, he's going to educate himself. He has to come up with four or five questions. Oh, but you're treating him like an adult. Exactly. I'm training him, talking with him. Mom and dad, yes, bring him to the house of God, but also when they speak, find out, God, is, is this what you want them to do? And let me open doors that I can put them in the pathways of people who walk in that career and people who do those types of things and help them. I've prayed more prayer for my sons and my daughters. And you need to understand that the picture, that the ark is a picture of Jesus Christ and his salvation. God has given the plan of salvation for the family to move into. The ark was a place of safety. Jesus Christ is a place of safety. Mom and dad, move your family into the ark, okay? Now, let me talk about family purpose. Stick with me. I'm almost done. Ark building is a family affair. It's a family affair. Sorry, I went back to the 70s there. My bad, okay? Ark builders is a family affair. Noah and his sons, they built together. Noah's sons, they found talent, and they found purpose in building the ark, okay? They became builders, they became managers, they became gatherers. Proverbs 25 and 2 says this, It is the glory of God to conceal things, but the glory of kings is to search things out. The book of Revelation says that we are kings and we are priests. Therefore, God has put talents and things in you, and God has put talents and things within your family, and it is the will of God for you to search those things out. What are your kids good at? What are they talented in? And can I tell you something? The best place for them to develop that talent is right here in the house of God. Right here in the house of God. This young man... That was, what's his name? Isaiah. I was watching Isaiah this morning. He had his microphone. He's in his, in his, in his superhero suit. Looking good, okay? And he's singing. And you know what I see? I see him going. And he was just singing. And he had his hand bouncing. Moments and times he had his eyes closed and then he'd stumble on the words and he'd look at the screen and he'd get it and he'd go back to it and he was worshiping God. Can I tell you something? Don't mistake your kids just playing and goofing around the house for them exposing the talent that God has put inside of them. Watch them. Watch what they do. Watch what they do. Watch how they do it and begin to be observant concerning your kids. God has put that in them and God has put the key inside of you to find that talent and begin to, uh, not manipulate, to, to, to begin to, to, to form it, to begin to, he, he told, here's what he told Adam. He said, go into the garden and you are to nurture everything that is in the garden. That means husband, listen to me, Eve was in the garden. Eve was a, Eve was a product of Adam and the garden. Therefore, that command not only was about the animals and the plants and everything like that, it was about his wife and his family as well. He was to nurture her and bless her, and bring talent out in her, and bring ability out in her. Can I tell you something? When your kids begin to do things, don't discredit it. Don't say, you'll never be good at that. You can never do good at that. Say, go for it. Give it a try. Step on the edge and do what God has called you to do. And if it doesn't work out, that's okay. We'll pull back, we'll regroup, and we'll find where God has you and what he wants you to do. Amen? Amen? That's just good preaching. I don't care who you are, okay? Noah's sons found ark builders as well. They found ark builders as well. They themselves were ark builders, but they found ark builders. While the ark was being built, guess what? They got married. They found women 
who had the right spirit, that had spirits like theirs, not like interest. Well, we have some things in common. (laughs) That's not what that means. Being equally yoked doesn't mean you have some things in common and it'll work out. No, it means you have the like spirit. The first prayer that I prayed when I began to pray for my daughters was this. God, and Jerem was a baby when I started praying these. I prayed, God, let my daughters love you more than they love my sons. Because when they do, then they're going to be equally yoked. and their, their household will go after you. Can I tell you something? My daughters love God more than they love my sons. They absolutely do. You would think that they were sisters. You would think that my two sons married two sisters that had lived together their whole lives. But they, they've only known each other a year. But the way they interact and the way they blend and the way, why? Because they're all equally yoked. They all have the same heart. They married art builders. Mom and dad, you need to pray for art builders. God, we want them. We want them to love you more than, we're, we're not trying to control their life, but God, we want them to love you more than they love our, our, our son or our daughter. God, we want them to love you more than they love the things of this world. God, we want them to go after you first because it's all about you, Lord Jesus. Amen. Young person, listen to me. If you're not praying that prayer, if you're not asking that question, then you need to start praying that prayer. If you're in that dating stage and that place where you're looking, I never taught my boys to date. I taught them to look for a life mate. Uh, Jaron scared off a girl one time because he told her, I'm not looking for a girlfriend. I'm looking for a life mate. She was gone pretty quick. I said, son, that's our lingo at home, but you can't necessarily share that, you know, when when you're on that date and you're talking, you know. And we had, to, we had to walk through some things with that, okay? You need to ask that question if you're in that dating stage. Do they love God more than they love me? And you need to begin to pray that. God, I want my spouse to love you more than they love me. Do they tithe? Do they give? Are they generous? Why is that important? Because the Bible says that, that, that where your heart is, that's where your treasure will be. Not where your treasure is, that's where your heart will be. And a lot of people, that's it. You know, what they, what they value, that's what they go after. But instead, what their heart is, that's where all of their resources and that's where all of their time and that's where all of the things they have in their life will go to. If that young man or that young woman is generous and they are givers and they want to give to the house of God and they want to serve the house of God, guess what? That's where their treasure and their value is going to be. They're going to value God above everything else. Amen. Uh, Third thing, are they surrendered to God? Are they willing to, to seek and go after God on their own? When, we, when Rachel and I were talking about getting married, I looked at her and I said, hey, I, I, I've been called to preach. You need to understand that. I've been called to preach. And that may mean that we may not always live. We may not always live in Iberia. My wife is from Iberia. She lived in the same town, same house her entire life. Does anybody know where Iberia is at? Few people. Just a little puddle right in the middle of the road on the lake to the Ozarks, okay? And uh, my wife lived there, same town, same house her entire life. My dad took a church in Iberia, and we were there for the next seven years, and I fell in love with my junior high sweetheart. (laughs) Y'all think that I'm the out front one, and I am. I'm the personality, but can I tell you a little secret about my wife? She asked me out. She's the aggressive one, I'm telling you. Mm -hmm. She said, I like that preacher kid. I'm going after him, and she did. She asked me out on our first date. We were at a church skating event. I was skating along, 
And I love my wife, but she can't skate. And she's trying, but we're right there. I'm holding her up, and I'm trying to look cool and trying not to fall all at the same time, okay? But I told her, I said, hey, I've been called to preach. That means God may call us somewhere that is not Iberia. Are you okay with that? The hardest thing for young people to give up is their future. You have plans. You have plans. You have dreams. You have things you want to go after. But can I tell you something? If you will willingly submit your life to Christ, God, if you want me to go to college, absolutely, I'm there. But God, if you call me to do something else, and mom and dad, this is going to turn your stomach, but remember, remember, Remember what Proverbs says, train up a child in the way that they should go, how God wants them to go. None of my boys never finished college, but all of them are working, thriving, and surviving. God is blessing them. Can I tell you something? Your kid will be blessed. Your child will be blessed when they follow God's plan for their life, not your thought for their life. So young person, surrender yourself, surrender your future. God wants you on the mission field, go to the mission field. God wants you living right here in this town, serving this church, serving this house, go after it. And I promise you'll be fulfilled. Uh, the last thing that you need to be praying about if you're dating a young person is, is the house of God. Is the house of God and spiritual maturity, is it a priority in their life? Is their fruit visible? Everyone produces fruit, good fruit or bad fruit. Amen. Do you agree with that? Everyone produces fruit. It's either godly fruit or ungodly fruit. Well, I'm a good person. That doesn't mean you produce good fruit. Jesus was very plain and clear on that. Young person, if you're praying about your future spouse, if you're praying about someone that you're dating or looking to go out with someone wherever you go out to, I was in junior high. I'm going out with Rachel, but we never went anywhere. Unless her mom took us. That was the only thing, okay? So... Wherever you choose to go out to, that's the thing. You need to, are they growing? Are they producing fruit? Find a spiritual, listen to me, best advice I can give you right here. Find a spiritual leader that you trust. Go to them and say, I want to have a serious talk. And say, hey, you know my boyfriend, you know my girlfriend, you know who I'm dating. I want to know, do you see spiritual fruit in their life? Or do you think I'm just wasting my time? And, and let me encourage you as a spiritual leader, if someone comes and asks you that, pray about it before you open your mouth. Be slow to speak and quick to listen, not only to that person, but to the Holy Spirit as well. And then speak into their life. My sons come to me and we have an open, we have an open, I, they come and they say, dad, this is who I'm dating. What do you think? And I've told all, well, three of them. Liam's not in the dating place yet. He doesn't want to deal with it right now. But I've told all three of them, that young lady isn't right for you. That will not be your wife. How do you know that, Pastor John? Because I go back to what Jesus said at the beginning. If you're, it, it, and what, what, if you're praying and talking to God, God will reveal things to you about your kids and about your family. You don't believe me? Come see me after church. I'll share some of the testimony. You don't believe me? Come ask my wife after church why she wasn't prepared when my oldest son got married. She'll tell you the story. And it has nothing to do with me. It has everything to do with Christ. He will speak to you about your family. You're the head, dad. Single mom, you're the head. In an absence of a, of a husband and a dad, you're the head. And if you ask, God will give you the wisdom and he will speak to you how to lead your family and lead the kingdom of God in your family and in your life. I'm closing with this, okay? Parents to adult children. I have two adult children now. 
This was a new era and a new place that my wife and I have learned to walk, and we are learning, okay? Um, Jaron is 22. Liam is 21. No, no, no. Jaron is 22. AJ is 21. There we go. And Liam must be thinking about me. Oh, my little Liam. I love my little Liam. If my sons are watching this, no, I don't favor him more than you. Just get over it, okay? <laughs> Liam, you're at the top of the wheel, buddy. Yeah. <laughs> no, I'm teasing. I'm teasing. <laughs> and Titus, Titus chapter 2, parents to adult children, grandparents to adult grandchildren. How, how do I speak into their life? How do I lead them? I see them doing things that, so how do I do that? You need to go read Titus 2. In Titus 2, Paul begins to lay out how older Christians should be character-wise unto younger Christians. It says, look, this is the character, older Christians, this is the character you should have, and this is the character you should work to, to, to bring out in your younger Christians. So mom, dad, grandma, and grandpa, your homework is Titus 2. If you have adult children, Titus 2, go read it and see what your part is and see what you're supposed to be producing in their life and what you need to be praying in their life. It's all about building an ark, which is Jesus Christ, to bring your family into. Everyone stand to your feet with me this morning, all right? God, I praise you and I worship you. Hey, if you have some soft worship music, if you could just throw that on in the background. Uh, that's perfectly fine. Genesis chapter 7, verse 1, it says this. Then the Lord said to Noah, go into the ark, you and all your household, for I have seen that you are righteous before me in this generation. I want to be found in right standing with God concerning my family. I do not want to stand before God and have my children say, Dad, why didn't you tell me? That will break my heart more than anybody else. And so as for me, I'm going to serve God. And as for my house, it's not an option. They may walk away from God, but when they come back for family dinners, we are a God-centered home. And if they say something that is inappropriate, I have no problem getting into the face of my adult sons and say, you better listen to me, Jack. You're not a kid anymore. You're an adult. I don't care if you are younger than me. I will take you out. But in my house, you will not use those words and you will not talk like that. And you will not bring that characteristic into this house. Would you really do that? Oh, you, you see nice, John, but yeah, I absolutely would. Because it's my job to protect and guard. Noah built the ark. Not a drop of rain had ever been seen. And God said, the rain's going to fall from the sky. You better get ready. And Noah built, and they said, he's crazy. He's crazy. He's crazy. But when they're on the outside of the ark banging, saying, let me in, let me in, they didn't think he was crazy. They thought he was godly. Can I tell you something? There are kids that my kids go to school with that they look at our family ark and they're on the outside banging saying, I want that, I want in, I want in. Luckily, I'm at the place that I can still open the door for them. God shut the door of the ark, but I'm at the place that I have built an ark that the door is still open. And when their friends come, they sit down at our table and guess what? We hold hands, we pray over the food, we talk about Jesus, we laugh, we joke, we have a good time. But we give them Jesus Christ through our actions, through our words. You can do the same thing. You can absolutely, Grandma, 
Your kids come over, they may not be serving God, but you stop them, clear your throat, and say, hey, grab a pot and pan and bang it. Clang, 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 clang. Okay, everyone, listen. We're going to pray. We've never done that, Grandma. I don't care. Bow your heads. We're going to pray because I'm building an ark and begin to pray the glory of God down on their life. God, I pray that you would convict them for the sins that they're doing and the things that they're running away from. I know you're going to bless the food, but God, I pray you convict them with every bite that they eat in Jesus' name because I've prayed the anoint. I poured anointing oil over these mashed potatoes in Jesus' name. Will that work? Well, through God, all things are possible. So instead of anointing oil, pray over the butter that you put in the mashed potatoes and say, God, let it anoint them and let them fill your spirit. So here's what I want to do this morning. If your family's with you and around you, I want you to gather up in family groups right now. Kids, if you're not sent by your parents, come by your parents. Go, go to your parents. Get in your family groups. If you're solo this morning and you have nobody with you, if, you, if your family's together and you look around and you see someone that's solo, grab them and say, hey, I'm going to adopt you. You're my adopted grandpa or grandma today. Or, hey, you're my adopted brother or sister today. Okay, grab them. If you're solo, grab them. I, I'm serious. If you see people standing by themselves, grab them. Say, hey, you're part of my family. Come stand with me. We're going to pray. We're going to pray. We're going to pray this morning. And I want you to pray today like you have never prayed over your household. Dad, if this has challenged you and you realize it's time for you to man up according to the word of God, then I pray that you pray that into your spirit like Solomon prayed. God, give me wisdom and knowledge to lead my household, to lead my family. Mom, pray that God would give you a greater portion of the anointing of the spirit so that you can walk as a unit with each other. God, teach me when to speak and God, teach me when to, to, to accent and God, teach me when uh, to be a helpmate. Teach me the right moments and the right things to do. Maybe your kids aren't here today, but they're in your heart. They're in your heart. And I'm following the leading of the Holy Spirit right here, so please bear with me. I feel this. There's, I, I, I feel that nobody looking around, please. I feel this in my spirit. Someone in this house, whether it's you directly or whether it's a child of yours, but you have lost a baby. You have lost a child at birth miscarriage and though you enjoyed the service and the sermon it hasn't necessarily hit you till I said this right here at this moment God wants me to tell you that he loves you and your identity is not found in that child your identity is found in him and he will bless you in the right season if you'll let him heal you and, and, and trust him. And so if you have lost that child and we are praying, if you will just place your hand on your stomach and just begin to pray blessing into your household, God will do it in his season, in his time.
because I know it's very painful on you that you, this is, you've had to deal with it. Mom and dad, it's painful on you. You lost that child and you've had to deal with it. It's painful on you. So as we pray, put your hand on your stomach, mom, and just begin to pray, God, I know that you're going to bless our house and rebuke the enemy from stealing the seed that God desires to plant in you. <laughs> Begin to pray for your family right now. Heavenly Father, I worship you. God, I thank you for my home. I thank you for your anointing. I thank you for your power. I thank you for your touch. I thank you for your favor that has followed me all the days of my life. God, I thank you that you have blessed me going in and you have blessed me coming out. God, I thank you, Lord, that I am the head and I am not the tail. God, I'm thankful that, God, I am your righteousness because Jesus Christ is inside of me. And I thank you and I praise you for that. God, I thank you for my helpmate. God, I thank you for my wife. I thank you for the beautiful thing that she is. God, I, I thank you that she brings such joy to my life and, and, and blesses me, Heavenly Father. And God, maybe, maybe our, our marriage may not always be the best and maybe it's difficult at times and maybe there's struggles and arguments but heavenly father you have brought us together for kingdom purpose and so god captivate my mind and give me wisdom to lead my household in the way that it needs to be led father god i pray that you would captivate my wife's heart god lord and and, and let us follow your line and your leading and your guidance concerning our home and our marriage and our family and our jobs and our finances and everything father god god i pray for our children today God, I pray for my sons today. God, I pray favor would follow them all the days of their life. I pray that their wives would love you more than they love them, Heavenly Father. I pray that an anointing would rest upon them greater than it has rested upon me, Heavenly Father. I pray that a greater anointing upon my daughter-in-laws than has ever rested upon me and my wife. God, I pray that you would bless our home with great power and authority. God, give us influence, Heavenly Father. Increase our territories, Heavenly Father. Let us reach families and let us reach people. God, through our actions and through our words, let our family be an ark that other families can run into and say, I want what you have. I desire what you have. God, I pray for single moms that are in the building. God, I pray that you minister to them. God, I pray that you guide them. I pray that you would direct them, Heavenly Father. Give them the, the right choices. Open the right doors that need to be opened. Close the doors that need to be closed, Heavenly Father. God, I pray for, for, for men and women that are in the building that maybe their spouse isn't serving you. Maybe they're not in the house of God, but they're striving and working to have a godly-centered home and family. I pray that you give them strength to endure. I pray that you would give them a greater anointing, a greater testimony in front of their spouse. I pray that you would open doors of provision that need to be opened and closed doors of confusion that need to be closed in their life, Heavenly Father. God, I pray, Heavenly Father, for the family that has lost a child. I pray for that mom and that dad that is hurting because of this, God. Lord, maybe there is other children, but God, this loss has hurt them. This grandmother that, is, that, that, that has a, a grandchild that was lost at birth, Heavenly Father, that, that died at birth, I pray that you would anoint and minister. God, give her the words to say. God, give that grandfather the right heart the fatherly heart the godly heart god to minister and bless to their grandchildren to their children and grandchildren god i pray that you would do a work in us that have children that are married and that are older god we are parenting an older age god i pray that you would give us the right character in the name of jesus i don't want to be a grumpy old man 
And so, Father God, I pray that you would give me godly character, more so in my older days than I had in my younger days. God, let me walk in grace and compassion and forgiveness. Let me walk in love, Heavenly Father. Let me speak truth over my children. And God, when they get frustrated and upset, God, let me quote the things of God to them. Let me share the things of God unto them. Bless our homes, I pray indeed. Increase our homes, I pray indeed. God, bless us, I pray indeed. I pray for this church. I pray for the families of this church. God, I pray that you prepare the hearts of every family in this house because increase is about to come in the door. God, and we need godly families in here to teach the families that are coming in the things of God, how they should live, how they should walk, how they should talk. So God, burn in us a desire to go after you like we never have before so that when families come in, God, we can show them that, Lord, when you are at the head, God, everything works for your glory and your kingdom, your power, your authority, and all things work for good, Heavenly Father, for us that are trusting in you, that believe in Christ Jesus as our Lord and Savior. Bless this church. Bless these pastors. God, bring them resources. Bring this church resources and finances like they've never had before. God, bring them, bring them a harvest of people like they've never seen before, Heavenly Father. God, do a work in this area, God, and let it start within our hearts. We're going to give you the praise and the glory and your wonderful, wonderful name. Amen. Now, right there where you're at, would you just hug your kids? Would you hug your spouse? Would you kiss them? Would you let them know that you... That's right. Give them a big old kiss, all right? We're in the house of God. Oh, praise God. Praise God. Praise God. How many loves your family? Well, half of you, okay? So I did good, all right? I did good. <laughs> I love my family. God bless you. Thank you for allowing us to come today. And uh, may God bless you. Pastor Lou, come ahead, my friend. Come ahead. Thank you for joining us today at At the Table with Darlene. We'd love to hear from you. Email us at darlenesolidrock at gmail.com. Let us know any topics you would like to hear from At the Table. You can also check us out at darleneroads.org. Also at wawministries.org. Thanks again for joining us at At the Table with Darlene.